Oh, it's uh, the Soggy Wolfcast. And an Offcast. Oh, it's a Wolfcast. We just got a little Wolfcast over there. Bovcast. 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 This is Bovcast. A podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bovink. This is Bobcast. Allegedly. Allegedly. Hi there, Bob Squad, and welcome to another rip and roaring episode of the Bobcast. There's that air horn again. I am uh, your co-host, Caleb Castro. And I am Andrew Smith a co-host twice over because not only am I on this show, but also hosting Caleb in my house. Hi. Thanks to Podcast Magic, although you're hearing this a week later, we recorded it the same day as the last episode, (gasps) whereby Caleb was in my house. It's fraud. Eating my food, drinking my coffee. I definitely did that. Yeah. Anyway. And Andrew has... Uh, along with his wife slash producer slash Heidi, uh, they have provided food and uh, percolated coffee yes. on my behalf for my benefit. Yes, the percolated coffee uh, that came as a, a feature of this parsonage in Hills, Minnesota, where we have made our residence for now. I will leave a uh, I will leave a moderate to uh, above average uh, Yelp review. Yeah, that that's not to say that your uh, accommodations uh, and hospitality were moderate or above average, but my specific post slash review of your accommodations will be moderate and above average. You make us better, Caleb. It's true. Whatever that is. But none are good. So I'm speaking of making. <laughs> so I bet you are all wondering why we have gathered you here today. We have gathered here today to join. No, not that. <laughs> well, we are on chapter 11, non-bankruptcy doctrine of creation and providence and continuing now in part two, as you probably saw in the episode title of creation. And we are kicking off things, but not actually kicking. Uh, We are not that athletic in any sense. And we are speaking figuratively of page 149 right after that first break. Yes. So last time we talked about some of the big picture considerations looking at creation, uh, the reasons for creation out of nothing, creation ex nihilo, Uh, varying theories of creation in our day and of evolution. We talked about materialism. We talked about pantheism. And now... But why? Huh? Why? Why did we do that? No. I'm actually just asking the question that Bob is going to take us to now. Why creation? Why though? And to what end did he do it? So, I mentioned this last time, but this is where it comes back. There are two theories of creation. One is kind of sneaky popular, even among uh, evangelical and even reformed circles. The other is not. As to why God created, the other is more controversial, less liked, but both actually have problems. So the first would be to say that God created the world out of an overflow of his love. Um, Basically that God was so rich in love that, you know, what was extra in him spilled out and thus creation. Or the other perspective would be the less 
liked or appreciated, but still around perspective, is that God needed something. God was lacking something. There was something God didn't have, uh, something God wished he had, and so he created the world to fill that need. But as Boving says at the very beginning of page 150, both of these representations are incompatible with Scripture. He says, Scripture takes a very different and diametrically opposed point of view. According to those two positions, the center of gravity has been shifted from God to the world, and God exists for the world. So we kind of have a similar problem as we got into before with materialism and pantheism is that these shifts, the reasons for creation and the reasons for God to a more earth-centered perspective, that basically God somehow exists for us and that the earth and the world and creation is really what it's all about. And just to point out uh, confessions, the doctrinal standards here, going back to that Heidelberg uh, question answer 26 in Lord's Day 9, First of all, we already get an indication of what answer uh, Bob Inc. and, and our, our ourselves are holding to. The Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them. So that's the first indication. God upholds and rules by his eternal counsel and providence. His eternal counsel uh, is another reason there. That he is my God and Father for the sake of Christ, his Son. God will provide Whatever I need for body and soul will turn to my good. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is faithful father. But then in Belgic 12 as well, a little bit more of a specificity here. He created from nothing when it seemed good to him. So again, his good pleasure by his word, that is to say his son, that he has given all creatures their being, form and appearance, the various functions. Why? For serving their creator. Even now he sustains and governs according to his eternal providence in infinite power that they may serve man in order that man may serve God. And as well as for uh, this is reinforced when he created the angels good that they might be his messengers and serve his elect. So the short answer all is for the glory of God for worship and service unto him. Now I would imagine in the 16th century when Guido de Bray authored the Belgic Confession, this was probably a lot less controversial of a statement than it would be now as far as the purposes of creation that God created uh, for his glory. Because as we have said, there are so many other differing views that have taken hold either that God did not create at all or that God created out of some need or some lack in himself, or some excess in himself. Let's go back to that point real fast. What you said of the authors of our doctrinal standards here, of the three forms, it was simply uh, something of a matter of fact, we're saying. It wasn't about us. Uh, it's not about, oh, God has an overflowing amount of love that it, it just needed to be, or that God was lacking something and lonely, needed to show forth his glory. These are on parts uh, either over-focused on, on man, or they disjoint the Trinity uh, and how God has perfect communion and fellowship and relation before the foundations of the earth. But uh, another way we could say this is uh, perhaps we, in appealing to these less satisfactory answers to why, perhaps we have uh, come to a lot more of a, a short-changed concept of God's glory and how pivotal that actually is. Right. We've talked about this before. I even think back to uh, when we had Dr. James Eglinton on our show, getting on a little over a year ago. 
as far as Bob Inc.'s theology, Bob Inc.'s theology is at its core theocentric. It's God-centered. It's big God theology. And uh, one of the things we see in modernity and even continuing now into post-modernity and some have postulated we're even beyond post-modernity into something altogether different. hyper Post-modernity. Yeah, post-modernity. Post, Post-post. We're going to need more post. Post-grunge. <laughs> we see as humanity seemingly triumphs over more and more of creation, we have scientific advances, we have advances in knowledge and learning. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like in a lot of ways we're on the brink of another dark age, but that's another talk for another day. But I'm not a biologist. <laughs> but I'm not a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. What, whatever ologist I am, I'm not that. <laughs> anyway, so we see a shift from a world that was basically theocentric, that uh, saw God as existing for one, but as authoritative and powerful very much towards man sitting on the throne and even standing in judgment over God. Um, and that's why I think Bob Inc. is so important and part of why we do what we do here is we need to recover the godness of God, how God is at the center, how all things are for God's glory, including our theology, including even our salvation, because we can look even at, at Reformed theology so anthropocentrically, where it's all about what God has done for us. Now, certainly God has done great things for us, and we praise him for them, but again, all ultimately for his glory. Yeah, so precisely back to what we were saying for the Belgian Confession, uh, Article 12, service to God. That is the, the hinge skipping ahead just a bit onto page 150 that second paragraph there uh just to reinforce that point of what we're saying uh god surely is in himself the all-sufficient and the all-blessed why is it that we can say the answer to why did god create is simply because his his uh eternal perfect counsel his good pleasure for his glory his honor God himself is all-sufficient and all-blessed. We are not. So here we recall that creator-creature distinction. Bobbing continues, He does not need the world, nor any creature, in any way for his own perfection. Can a man be profitable unto God? Is it any gain to the Almighty that thou art righteous, or that thou makest thy ways perfect? Job 22, 2-3. The righteousness of man is no advantage to him, nor does human transgression impoverish him. He is not worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Acts 17:25. Hence it is that Scripture so strongly emphasizes the fact that God has caused all things, that means all things, uh, to be by an act of his will. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and actually, uh, two sentences down from there, this is actually what we would categorize then if you're looking at a systematic or whatever, if you're looking through a part on the doctrine of creation, this is what uh, would be labeled under uh, the doctrine of uh, the free act of God, the free act of creation. Mm -hmm. So creation is an entirely free act, meaning free, independent of himself, his own liberty, etc. Uh, and Bob Inc.'s going to actually continue with that, uh, with this kind of thought uh, throughout the remainder of this section. Last sentence of that second paragraph, 150. Indeed, the cause of the creation is simply and solely the free uh, power of God, his eternal good pleasure, his absolute sovereignty, Revelations 4 at 11. Uh, and to the next paragraph at the end there. 
uh, God had his wise and holy reasons for the act of creation. In that first sentence following that next paragraph, scripture proves this to us in the first place by presenting the creation to us as an act of the triune God, meaning also then that it is a full and complete act. Yep. Yeah, and then he'll go on with the uh, <laughs> scriptural proofs from there in that last paragraph of the section. Holy Scripture teaches us this. So uh, we'll we'll skip over that. I would just like to, as a brief aside, point out something that we've mentioned before. But uh, he first takes counsel with himself and says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Note Bovink's use of Genesis 126 as a Trinitarian proof. We've talked about this before. There's some varying theories of the divine counsel or other things going on. Uh, in this verse, Bob Inc. is not having this, and I would say maybe we shouldn't either. Mm-hmm. Not maybe. We shouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree on that. Even then, uh, there's something of confessional, if you will, credence for that. But uh, just one sentence, uh, pardon me, I lied, two sentences that I do like from that last big paragraph, 151. I think it's three sentences in, or no, two sentences in that paragraph the purpose for which the creation was made cannot lie in that creation itself for the establishment of the purpose precedes the means in one of those biggest purposes if you see where bovink cites genesis 17 4 and philippians 2 10 that he says did you say genesis 17 4 pardon me i can't recall if i said genesis 17 4 but uh, john 17 4 uh, is his appeal uh, that Christ has come in order to glorify the Father, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess his glory. It is God's good pleasure to bring the excellencies of his triune being into manifestation in his creatures. Why? To prepare glory and honor for himself in those creatures. So all things ultimately, including creature uh, and the acts of man, ultimately serve to glorify God from first to last. And that even to the end in which he would submit the wicked to him and further his glory. So having looked at the purposes for creation, uh, we now turn in the bottom of page 151 to the manner what scripture tells us about how creation was done. Now, just as an aside before we dive into this, this is a broad overview. It's a lot of information, a lot of material compressed into a few pages. If you're interested... In the Bovink's larger work, Reform Dogmatics, he treats this section in much more detail uh, over the course of several pages in Volume 2 of his Reform Dogmatics, which, of course, is about God and creation. So there's a significant treatment of creation and a much larger look at what he condenses here into just a few pages. So, looking at creation as it's presented in Scripture... Uh, Bob Inc. first draws our attention to the fact that this occurred in the beginning. This was the first event, the first event of history. There was nothing before this, even time and space, as he says in the top of page 152, have their beginning in Genesis 1-1. Yeah, from 152 into that, that whole page, you know, Bob Inc. will talk about how God uh, must be understood to then also be creator of time and space. So even then, uh, in other words, uh, how we perceive uh, us as creatures in relation to this world around us, the passing uh, of events, the sequence of things, reflection upon uh, what has passed, 
all in relation then to the creator. Uh, Time and space cannot be understood, ultimately, rightly, apart from God. It can be experienced, conceived, but everything is in relation to God. Now, Bob Inkwill, in that second big paragraph of 152, he'll state that the first verse of Genesis reports that in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, and uh, by heaven and earth, as scripture uses elsewhere, this is this is a, a mirrorism uh, to indicate totality, simply to state then the whole world, the whole universe, uh, which according to the will of God was from the beginning divided into two parts. And this is where he speaks then of the creation of the heavens and of the earth. Uh, the heavens then comprising uh, the firmament, uh, the expanse, the air and the clouds, uh, the stars and the hosts of heaven, but also uh, the third heavens, Bobbing says, or that being the heaven of heavens, which is the dwelling place of God and of the angels, and the second part being of the things regarding the earth. Um, and so Bobbing is first ordering uh, his exposition, his interpretation of Genesis 1 according to cosmological lines or cosmogony and then to a geogony line so conceiving that which is of the heavens that which is of the earth to look at this as bobbing does in reform dogmatics he then essentially divides the creation account into three parts Mm -hmm. this is from page 480 of volume two of reform dogmatics there is creation, what we see here in Genesis 1, 1, and 2, where out of nothing the heavens and the earth were formed, but then formless, void. And then the next stage is separation, which occurs in the account of the first three days of creation. So the separation of light and darkness, heaven and earth, land and sea. And then third and finally, adornment on the fourth and through sixth days, the population of the earth with living beings, the, the creation of, of living entities. So again, you have creation and then in chapter one, verses one and two, separation in the first three days and adornment in the fourth through sixth day. So uh, note for one thing here that Bob Inc. is maintaining the chronology. He's maintaining the linearity of this progression of creation because there are views that try to um, approach the days differently as not being sequential, as not being in a chronological order. Bob Inc. is maintaining here that they are. And in fact, in dogmatics, he I don't have time probably to get into that now, but he does actually specifically critique uh, some views that would say otherwise. And uh, so what you're hearing then is as Andrew's fleshing out the larger doctrine that the fuller exposition from Bovink and Reform Dogmatics, you heard him say that there's this threefold ordering. Whereas here in The Wonderful Works of God, you heard me say that Bovink speaks of creation in uh, as being divided into two parts. Simply in this, Bovink's not being inconsistent. He's, he's approaching the doctrine uh, of the actual days of creation from two different focuses or approaches here. That in the wonderful works of God is a larger or more holistic approach of simply just dividing it into heavens and earth, and then talking about what those entail. Whereas in the Reformed Dogmatics, he's getting into the specifics of how God is ordering, organizing this creation narrative, that being the creation separation and filling. So in other words, we're getting kind of a flyby overlook uh, survey here in uh, Wonderful Works of God. 
just for the uh, just kind of evidencing of what I'm saying there um, on 153, that first full paragraph, although we cannot speak on this point with absolute certainty, we may consider it likely that the heaven of heavens, the dwelling place of God was brought into existence by the first creative act of God reported in Genesis 1, 1, and that then the angels also came into existence. He's giving a pretty interesting um, and actually helpful uh, perspective here. So he, he's saying that the actual heavens of heavens, his heavenly throne rooms and whatnot, are possibly what is being uh, stated in the very first uh, verse of, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in a manner, he's presenting them here as uh, proceeding or or even just being kind of a summary too is another possibility, but proceeding uh, the actual days of creation of what then is going to occur uh, in days one to six. So of the observable, visible creation and whatnot. He's giving that flyby there. Um, this is why here in Wonderful Works, he's starting uh, with this first ordering of the heavens, and then he goes into the earth. Um, but he's also not uh, entirely verifying. He says it's, it's likely that these heavens of the dwelling place of God were brought into existence in that first creative act uh, of 1-1, and then the six days of creation. But he, he says it's not able to be confirmed, though, of course. So he's not necessarily holding to anything tightly, which then you'll also find in uh, in the dogmatics. Which maybe that ought to teach us something and that so much speculation is done regarding uh, the realm of angels, the realm of the unseen. Not that I'm making any reference to a specific work, or maybe I am. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I think uh, Bob Inc. is providing a good example for us of the need to approach matters of angels and demons and the fall of angels and that uh, with a certain humility. Not that we can't talk about these. For instance, even our Belgic Confession, as we've already looked at in Article 12, spends a little more time on the discussion of the creation of angels and the fall of angels and stuff than we might expect a confessional document to do, but also not speculating beyond what we know and and what scripture presents us because there are people who will build entire theologies and systems around angels and demons. And it just really goes off into some bizarre and wild places. Yeah. It's a, Basically, we, we want to, you know, we want to make sure that we're giving a whole range of thought here. And Bobby notes, uh, Xander had already pointed out some of those alternate uh, views of his days, such as it mentions in passing this day age theory that days were longer, which uh, he, he does say that there there's a there's a conceivability of, uh, in which we recall prior to the flood, there was a different creational ordering of sorts. We know at least that Prior to that, uh, rains didn't need to fall from the heavens to water the ground, but that there was a mist that came up from the earth. Is there a possibility that the earth rotated slower? Maybe. Who knows? We, we don't, don't know. We weren't there. Yeah. And so so we're, we're going to go hands off on it. Uh, I think personally for Andrew and I, uh, I think both of us do conceive of something of a 24-hour period um, yeah. in these, uh, the, as that seems to be implied. But I think Bobbing is talking about this is not necessarily uh, in terms of all the variables in which we're, uh, are presented here in Genesis. He's not making out the main argument uh, in the wonderful works of God, though in Reformed dogmatics, he does talk more about what we see of this as a six day creation. So this is why Andrew was saying be careful, I guess, in reading this and reading too much into Bobbing. Right. But also in dogmatics, what Bobbing does very clearly is he does maintain the historical and narrative 
aspect of this text. He doesn't concede anything to those who would say that it's a myth or an epic or something of that sort. He said he very much does maintain the historical and narrative character of the text while making proper qualifications of uh, there's things that we don't know about them. We don't want to uh, pry too deep into the nature of these days. Because like, for instance, uh, he mentions that, yes, we have days. We have separations of light and darkness. We don't have the sun, moon, and stars until day four. Now, some from that will not bobbing, but others, they'll, they'll say, well, there couldn't have been day and night as we know it because there was no sun, moon, and stars, to which we can simply respond, well, can God light and heat the world without the sun, moon, and stars? Of course he can. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever he pleases. And we would maintain that in some way, then, in those first three days, that is what he did. This is then even to say that a moment ago I mentioned what is time and space. It is it is a creation. There is time and space. Time and space is understood uh, in relation to God, though he himself is eternal. Uh, there is, in other words, passing of moments. There is passing uh, of moments of creation so that there is time. But that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Bobcast. Uh, or if you don't want the definite article there of Bobcast, or if you want an indefinite article, a Bobcast, if there are others. Why not and Bobcast? Um, well, what other cast is there? Well, and only works for words oh. that begin in vowels. Oh, you said and. I thought you said and. Oh, no, I said and. And. Just because I'm from Wyoming and can't put hard ending consonants on anything. Unless you want to make this something of a British podcast. No offense to any uh, British or British colony uh, Commonwealth listeners. Oh, it's uh, the Soggy Wolfcast. And an offcast. Oh, it's a Wolfcast. We just got a little Wolfcast over there. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Maybe I should have been a Presbyterian. <laughs> Your your last name is is uh, commensurate with uh, is that the right use of the word commensurate? It is now. Your worth is your worth. Your last My name. My worth is not in what I own. It's in your last name, which uh, if for any listeners, it's actually not Smith like S M I T H. If you didn't know that, it's 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 S M Y like Smythe, but not Smythe. No e at the end. Yeah, people always ask if it's a british spelling but no it was like my great great grandfather who was a farmer in oklahoma got tired of such a common last name that's actually what people do in oklahoma usually right i don't know i don't know so anyway that was bobcast and yeah it's over so tote zines yeah tote zines thank you for listening to bobcast if you like what you've heard please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts For the latest Bobcast news and updates, visit Bobcast.com or follow us on social media. Bobcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Subscribe to the Society of Reformed Podcasters feed for more great shows. Bobcast is edited and produced by me, Heidi Smith. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time.